0: The Bear Essentials Podcast gives older bears a place to gather for real talk regarding topics and issues that they can relate to. Here at the Bear Essentials, we aren't just having conversations. We are looking to provide actionable intelligence through real-life experience and expertise of our guests. Our mission is to build a strong community that elevates and motivates people to go beyond their limiting beliefs by helping them realize that getting older is not an excuse to hibernate on their goals, but a reason to work harder. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Charles Wallace. One of the things that I've been attempting to do with the Bare Essentials podcast is to get guests who have stories that we can maybe relate to, stories of people working through adversity, people giving us examples of how we can overcome what life may throw at us, regardless of how insurmountable it may seem. Today's guest, Ed Hennings, is an entrepreneur, runs a very successful trucking business. Here's the thing. Ed's story starts about 20, 25 years ago when Ed ended up in prison, facing a potential life sentence. Ed, unfortunately, as he speaks about, made decisions that he would like to take back. Unfortunately, those decisions led him to an altercation that caused him to make a life-changing decision for not only himself, it impacted many others. Ed is very open about this and Ed talks us through that night back in June, some 20 years ago, where it took him, what he calls the belly of the beast and how he decided to be great where he was. This was not easy. And some may look at Ed's story and it may turn some people off, but here for me, I'm not here to judge anyone, and if you can take a listen with an open mind, you will walk away from this with a impression of Ed Hennings that will impact you in a positive way. So without further ado, let's jump into my interview with Ed Hennings. Hey, good morning Ed, really appreciate you uh, joining us today. And got to tell you, as soon as you jumped on the screen, I see that picture behind you, my friend, and brought back memories and made me realize again why we're here today. So how are you doing?
1: Man, uh, it's always an honor to come on, man, and, 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 and do do the podcast and have these type of conversations. Man, like I said before, it's a, this is something that you know was a dream at one point. So I'm always excited and anxious to, to get on.
0: Ed, so could you maybe just give a little, a brief introduction of yourself to the audience?
1: Uh, Real briefly, uh, my name is Ed Hennings. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I've had a barbershop and beauty salon. I now run a trucking business. Um, I've authored a couple of books. I'm also a motivational speaker. I travel the country telling my story. Not only that, uh, I recently started taping my own podcast as well. Um, amongst other business ventures so yeah I'm a serial entrepreneur to say the least.
0: It's good to hear and Ed I, I really appreciate what you're doing especially um, I started following you on LinkedIn and I got to tell you that definitely the motivation things you're putting out there it's definitely a great a great message and um, I think it's important we talked a little bit about this before we kicked off the recording um, about being transparent, authentic, So I like to start. Obviously, where you are now, it's not where you always been, and you definitely there was some past that you experienced that you know has led you here now. But got to tell you, not easy. And I really appreciate that you're even willing to come on and share the story. So could you? uh, I believe from what I see, you know, you unfortunately a decision you made something happened. I think it was back in June. 20, 20 some years ago. Uh, could you let the audience know what that was?
1: Yeah, um, that's that's wonderful how you uh, brought that right in, man. I, I appreciate it because um, when I speak, a lot of times I speak from a method, which I learned um, just studying uh, public speaking. And they say you speak from the you method. And the you method is you start at the top of the you. And you talk about all the good things that you've done and all the good things you got going in your life. And then you go down to the bottom of the U. At that bottom of the U is when you hit rock bottom. And then you come back up in the U. And that explains your purpose and why you're here today. So just taking everybody down to the bottom of the U after I've uh, told you I'm a serial entrepreneur, the businesses i started and things like that. But it wasn't always that way um, in my young life. I made some decisions and choices to get involved in the street life. I had opportunity like everybody else. I had good opportunity and I had opportunity uh, to go the other way as well. And I think I tried some of it all. I tried working, I tried school and I tried the streets. So I I tried my hand at it all. And uh, trying my hand at the streets, Um, none of it worked to be honest with you. I didn't like working, I didn't like school and I didn't really like the streets. But the streets gave me an independence that i always wanted you know i was 18 years old 19. i got involved in the streets at that point in my life and i had a newfound independence the streets gave me money and i didn't have to ask anybody for anything so every time i thought about getting out of the streets and doing something different with my life it was sort of me giving up my independence that's the way i viewed it and things escalated throughout those years it was maybe from the age of 18, 19 to the age of 24, so during this time period, things escalated and escalated and escalated. I went from just want to make a fast dollar to now I'm really carrying this a uh, street drug dealer persona. You know, I'm totally, fully entrenched. I'm carrying guns. I'm, I'm, I got the mean look on my face. I got the mean stroll. I mean, just a total transformation everything just kind of ticked me off now like you know any little thing and i'm i'm angry so that was just the effects of living a lifestyle that carried me from uh, a gifted and talented per se a label student to uh, a neighborhood drug dealer so yes that whole lifestyle carried me all the way from like i said 18 19 years old to june 11th 1996 a 24-year-old young man um, was 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 walked into a situation where a relative of mine was having some neighborhood beef, and the neighborhood beef escalated to the point where they jumped on my relative. I intervened um, the argument, and you know, think it it esca- continued to escalate, and uh, I what I perceived was somebody going after this relative of mine and I pulled out a gun that I was carrying and I shot two times. And the first two shots uh, hit uh, the victim, but I didn't know the victim was hit. Um, The victim ran uh, amongst all the other people that were out there that night. Everybody started running, total chaos. Um, I was still out in the middle of the street shooting, things like that. And later on, I was picked up, taken downtown, uh, Milwaukee. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was taken to the county jail. I was put in a cell. As I was sitting in that cell, um, some about I'm gonna say about two, three in the morning, I heard some papers slid under the door, and I, I woke up and I grabbed those papers and I, I looked at them and I read them and it said, um, first degree intentional homicide, mandatory life sentence. So at that point, man, I could feel, I, could, I was numb. I could feel, I, 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 was, I, I wasn't even on the ground. I'm gonna tell you this, the feeling that I had was unreal. I thought about the moment when I quit school. I thought about the moments when I didn't wanna work. I thought about all those moments and I said, this is what it's come to. I have lost, I've lost my, my freedom. I spent the rest of my life in prison. And, and that's what it was. I threw in the towel. I knew it was over. I would never see the free world again. And that, that was the feeling that I had. And when I try to talk to people that's walking down that path and living that life and they think their life is over and it's not going to get any better, I say, my brother, it gets worse. It's a feeling that I can't even explain to you in words. So I, I really try to help people not go to that point to be in that situation because there's really not too many people walking this earth that can explain this to you because only 30% of people that's facing life in prison uh that they have a 70% conviction rate or something like that you have a 30% chance of ever coming back out here so yeah it's not many people that's going to be able to share this information with you
0: so, Ed, when you're when you're telling the story, right, so a couple of things I want to touch on. You mentioned about choices and I like the fact that you acknowledge, even at that young age, how you kind of said, you know, there were other choices, there were other options, you know, and it seems to me like you almost were always torn between those options and and street and the option you end up choosing, right? and like reading your story and then even more now listening to you i don't think the intent was ever there for you right And you it almost to me feels like that was all part of the persona right carrying the gun doing all that but it's unfortunate but i think you bring a good message also to people now like if you're carrying a gun you're you're getting involved in that life like really think about the other choices you can make and you do have because It it never went out there that night expecting that I'm going to have to pull out this gun or I'm going to, I'm going to fire it. Right. And now it happens. And like you said, now you're sitting there thinking about the choices you could have made. And now, wow, it's now you find out how does that feel? Because listening to you, knowing a little bit about you, I can only imagine that even the part of, Hey, the man that I shot towards he he died, how does that hit you?
1: yeah, um, just to be honest with you you' you're one hundred percent correct, man, um just the worst feeling in the world man I never thought in a million years um I was in school in Phoenix, taking heat and ventilation and air conditioning, and I walked out of that school that day to never return, but i had a I had a plan to get involved in the streets, and that day when I walked out of that school. I never imagined that, you know, six years later, I would be, you know, um, causing the death of another human being. Like all of my life, like that wasn't even a possibility. That's not even possible. I mean, I got the biggest gun in the world. I'm not gonna kill anybody. Nobody's not gonna die. But once again, these are the naive young minds that's in the world. Like. I can shoot this gun a million times. Nobody's going to die. I'm not going to prison. And when you think like that, you don't understand the numbers. You don't understand the law of averages. You're You're totally oblivious to saying to yourself, listen, I'm carrying a gun. And if I carry this gun, nine times out of 10, I might not have to use it. But that one time, that one time that you have to use it could result in such chaos and such disaster, heartache and pain that you just don't even fathom, like whether it's .00001%, that's just too much. That's just too much of a chance to take with your life. Like, oh, it's like a 0.000 point chance that anything will happen. Well, that's too much for your life. That's too much. That might be good for a job or for a business, but that's too much of a chance for you or anyone else's life. So um, definitely didn't ever think that it would come to this. But when it happened, it was total embarrassment. It was, I felt like the, the scum of the earth. I felt as though, man, I, I have let everybody down. I've let my victim down. I let my victim's family down. I let my family down. I let my community down. I let the world down because I could have did something better with my life. I could have been doing the things that I'm doing now. I could have did then. But due to my choices, and you have to take full accountability. Um, I couldn't be sitting here today with you on your podcast uh, having this conversation if I didn't take full accountability. I like to say this, an apology is what you say out your mouth, and if you keep going and doing the things what you've done, that's not a true apology. The apology comes in the changes that you make in your life. If you say you're sorry and you never do it again, the apology came in the action that you've taken in your life. So I knew in order for me to truly be sorry and apologize to my victim, my victim's family, and to the world, um, I needed to change.
0: Yeah, Ned. I got to tell you, from the way I came across you through LinkedIn, right? Yes. I honestly, I would have never even known about this because of the way that you're carrying yourself now. So I want to just say credit to you for what you are doing now, because in, unless I would have started – looking in a little deeper just to see what ed's about right and it i was looking in just because i was like man this guy is motivational as hell i think your first post that you put up that i responded to i said ed the hair on my arm stood up it's doing it now right like talking to you um i really it just and then seeing that like god i got it like i really want to talk to ed because hearing what, where he was and where he is now. I mean, I think you are a, you're going to help a lot of people. Right. And I think you mentioned apology. I think also in order to come back and get where you are now, right. Ed? Mm -hmm. I think you got to forgive yourself too. Right. And I think that's not an easy process because I think that involves, have you had any contact or tried to apologize to the victim's family I mean, I think that's all part of the process of having to try to forgive yourself, right?
1: Yes. At, like when you're getting sentenced, you have a window right there of sentencing to apologize and things like that. But once again, legally, you can't contact victims and stuff like that. You'll end up in trouble and all types of stuff like that for trying to reach out and contact your victim or your victim's family. Um, they have very strict rules and they really protect the victim, and the families, which they should. So, yeah, it's not like it's an open window for you to do things like that. So, once again, you have to um, use your time at sentencing to make your apology, and then you gotta live your life as if, you know, um, you are truly sorry, and you will never, ever repeat that um, act again, and hopefully, you know, um, you know, through, through grace and mercy, we get a chance to you know, re- redemption, we get a chance to um, do this thing again and have an opportunity to show, you know, um, that you are worthy of of that redemption. So that's, 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 that's the, I heard a speaker the other day say, so many of us take for granted when we leave our homes that we make it back. So when is that, when is that simplistic, you kind of feel it, you kind of say, wow, you know. Just take it for granted that I, I left home today and I made it back.
0: Yeah, that's poignant, Ed. So so you get sentenced. You're thinking you're, you're doing life, right? Yes. So what what happens where you get this, i call it the reprieve, that you're doing everything you can now. God, are you doing everything you can to make good on it? What, what, how does that happen, that you think you're doing life and then now you're not doing life?
1: Yeah, this is this is the this is the big one for me. Um, and when I think about it, it just it just makes me it gets me back in mode, in that in that mindset. Um, I w- I went to trial, so I'm facing life in prison, and I'm going to trial. I'm pleading self defense and defense of others. So, um, I'm sitting in a holding cell now. You watch Law and Order, you watch plenty of cop shows and 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 stuff like that, justice shows and you see some uh, jury deliberate and all of that stuff so i'm living this out in real life this is this is something that you watching on tv and you trying to grasp it but it is nowhere near the feeling that you're going to get by going through it so i'm in a holding cell while 12 jurors are deliberating whether i'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison or not and i'm pacing back and forth in this in this holding cell and i'm I I don't know if the guards can hear me thinking, but it seems as though I was thinking that loudly that they can hear me thinking. And it's very intense and I'm walking and I'm pacing back and forth and I'm, and I'm just, I'm just praying. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the bell. I'm like, just, I just one shot, one opportunity. And at that point, um, my goals, I'm, I'm just promising my parents. I'm promising my children, I'm promising the world that, listen, I am going to do better if I ever get another shot. But at that moment, my goals and my dreams and everything I hoped for as a little kid showed up. And my goals and my dreams, they stared me in the eyes. They stopped me dead in my tracks. And they said, man, you didn't even try for us. You didn't even give us a shot. And I thought right then, I said, wow, you know, these dreams. And, and it's funny and ironic because I've heard other people speak about these things before. And these things are actually happening to me. Like, wow, I heard this before and here's my, my dreams talking to me and saying we could have been good together. We could have really made it happen. And I made that promise was like just like what you said earlier about talking to yourself forgiving yourself. So the most profound conversation and promise that I made was to myself. Those other things are great to your parents, to your children, to your victim, to the world, but it's the ones that you make in there. And I made that promise that day that it wasn't ever going to happen again. And I was going to make something out of myself if I ever got another shot. And the jury, the the guard came and unlocked that door and he walked me down that hallway back into the courtroom and the jury found me guilty of a lesser offense of what we call in Wisconsin, reckless homicide. So I had a right to defend, but I I, I didn't have as much right as I took. So at that point, um, I was sentenced to 40 years in prison, 40 years, and to the average ear, 40 years in prison is like, man, what is, this? you got 40 years. But to my ears, I heard, I got another opportunity. It, I might didn't get that opportunity that day. That opportunity came with some work. But all I heard was, I have a chance. So I must take that chance, be humble, be grateful, and take this chance and run with it. And that's what I did. And I did 20 years off of the 40 that I was sentenced. I served half of my sentence in prison and I used every day, every moment, every second to not only help myself, but the people that was in there and that was around me, I, I, I pressed them really hard. I pressed them with the with the heart of a, a, a lion to say, hey man, if you're not gonna change your life, man, you can get away from me and I don't care what's gonna happen. So I, I took that stance And I I ran with it every single day. I walked out that room and everybody in there knew that I was changing my life. And if they had a problem with it, so be it. This is what it's going to be.
0: And it's so poignant. Some of the things you just said. And yeah, when you said to me, they read 40 years. I I mean, I'm sitting here now speaking to you. Right. And you say that, and I'm still like, wow, I, I don't even know how, Hearing that, I could react, but the fact that you reacted the way you did, and that to you, you looked at that as you're going to get another chance, that just good on you. And I mean, it sounds to me, even the 20 years you did serve, you, I mean, you could have sat back in there and just, yeah, 20 years. It sounds like you were even working hard in prison to do your best to have a positive impact on people. And Ed, there may have been a lot of lives you changed even in prison that are now out of prison that are also impacting this world in a positive way. So, like, I think you're I'll say this. I think your reach may be even further than you realize, you know, like we see what's happening now with you out of prison, what you're doing, how you're impacting the world. I got to think that even those 20 years that they were well served years as far as your reach. And I don't know, I, you may, you may not, my guess is you've impacted, you got to have impacted to me at least one person while you were in there that's went out and made a difference in people's lives. So I think that was your time in there was spent wisely. And I, I just think you probably helped a lot of people more than you may even know.
1: Yeah, uh, that that definitely was the plan. That was definitely um the desires of my heart was to say, hey man, you got I got forty years, you got two, man, take that two man, make the changes that you need to make, um uh, because the, I I posted this on LinkedIn too. You might have seen it that the greatest advice that I ever got was to to be great right where you are. Like some people say, well when I get home, I'm gonna do this. Or when I get to this place, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to be this way when I get to this point. Now, be that way right where you are. Be the greatest version of yourself on the playground before you get to the stadium. Because you not if you can't be great on the playground, if you can't be great on the alley, if you can't be great on the street corner, you can't be great in the stadium. So that's the that's the approach and that's the best advice that I've probably ever been given. So I decided to be great right myself. I decided to be great right behind those barbed wire fences, behind those armed guards. I decided to be the best that I can be right where I was at. So I could have waited till I got home, but who knew when that was? It could have been I seen parole in ten years, it could have been ten, it could have been twenty, it could have been the whole forty. But at the end of the day, I didn't have any time to wait. I had made my promise that I was going to do better and be better. And it had to start right then. It had to start right in that moment. It couldn't wait any longer because look where I already had ended up. The situation I was in was already the worst that I've ever been in life. So I need to start right now. So that I was I was trying my best to be great right in that cell. And that's how it was for me.
0: And that's great advice, Ed. I would just add to this too. I be great where you are and be great when no one else is watching because man. somebody's always watching. So good good on you, man. Um all right. Obviously, now there's no comeback story without the comeback. So I want to get into that. I want to talk about yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Perfect too. And Ed, if you don't mind, before we get into the comeback I'm gonna take a quick break here. I want to have a quick word from ngbn.tv, and then we'll be back with more with Ed Headings. And I just wanted to welcome the you and
1: all the bare essential listeners and watchers to NGBN.tv. My name is Chris Rubio, and I'm the host of the Rubio Method. We are a show about men's mental health that comes out every other Wednesday. Our latest episode just came out today, June 22nd. Then we'll have one another two weeks. We already have nine episodes out with myself and my co-host Nick Monahan. We navigate the uh, zone of men turning into middle age and going through health crises, whether it's mental, physical, and we have a good time while doing it. We tell a lot of funny stories. We have great, great interviews and guests, and it's just an all-around good time for about a half an hour to 45 minutes. So make sure you check out the Rubio Method as well on NGBN.TV, YouTube, Spotify, Google, and Amazon podcast. And once again, from the Rubio Method to the bare essentials, welcome to NGBN.TV.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back. Back here with Ed Hennings and now we, uh, we're we going to get into Ed's what we'll call the comeback story and what Ed is doing now. So Ed, let's talk a little bit about now. You obviously have, you get out of prison, you got a lot going on as far as businesses, things like that. A lot of the motivational speaking and a lot of positivity that you're trying to bring to this world. So let's let's hear a little bit about what you got going on.
1: Um, right in the moment, right now I have a trucking business, which I'm, um, it's, 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 it's going, you know, I have some trucks, I I specialize in furniture deliveries, so I have some crews, and we run those trucks daily, um, getting your furniture and your, your appliances to your home every day for various, uh, companies, so, um, that's what I do on a daily basis, um, I also travel the country doing some motivational speaking, some mentoring and coaching and things like that. I also um, coach and uh, teaching people how to get into the trucking industry. Um, so that's what brings me to my podcast and things like that because people watched me come home from prison. And I came home and I, I my goal and my dream was to open up a barbershop and beauty salon because I took barber and cosmetology while I was in prison. And I wanted to open my own shop. Within a year of being released, I, I opened that own my own barber shop and beauty salon. But when some uh one of my clients sat in my chair for a haircut, and he shared with me that he had a truck and the type of money he was making and the things he was doing, and it sparked my interest. So at that point, you know, I went out and got me a truck. And I've been in the trucking business now in the last four and a half, five years. I've been doing trucking and uh, that's pretty much what I do majority of my time. But uh, once again, I teach other people how to do it because um, it changed my life. Um, Trucking has been an integral part in me purchasing a home, you know, and a lot of other things um, I've been able to do uh, financially has been off of the trucking business. So I try to Teach a lot of people, don't get involved in the streets. Get you a truck. You know, you can get a truck and make more, probably more money than you're probably going to make in the streets and without all of the, you know, uh, prison time, all of the heartache and pain that you're going to cause yourself, your loved ones, and other people. So, yeah, I make that a, a strong alternative to a lot of people when I go into, you know, the urban community, go back into my own community. And I, I tell them like, man, think about the trucking industry. Think about trucks. And 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 that's what I'd show in my podcast and I want to highlight is um um twenty years ago trucking was, you know, the middle aged white man, you know, but in the last ten years, you've seen an influx of people of color and women start to get into the trucking industry. So I try to highlight those stories because when I'm in a truck, people know my story because I travel and I speak it. But now that I'm in the truck and I know it's a story in each and every truck, there's some woman that was on welfare, that was a single mom, went out and got a CDL license and it changed her life. Now she's behind the wheel of that truck and it ain't just somebody trying to cut you off on the road, man, it's some woman that got her life together and she's behind the wheel of that truck. It's some guy that walked out of prison and didn't know what he was going to do with his life that got behind the wheel of a truck, and he went on a straight and narrow. So it's a, it's some beautiful stories behind behind the wheel of those trucks, man, and I, I, I my podcast is definitely going to be highlighting those people and those stories.
0: Yeah, and I'll just – I didn't tell you this, but um, interestingly enough, that's how uh, we were raised, my dad, truck. Wow, look at there. Look. Literally. <laughs> I remember those days, you know, I think it was, uh, every Thursday it was, he had to get up extra early cause he had to, I were in Philadelphia. He had to make that drive to New York. Uh, it was every Thursday, but yeah, man, he, uh, raised, you know, raised family driving a truck. So I, I, I feel you there that there's definitely value in that. And I wanted to ask, you mentioned about when you, when you speak I, I, curiously how, How's that message come across? Like, do you notice like and I I'm sure, man, you can tell, right? You think it's you think you're getting through to people, or would you say, you know, you're probably getting through to a couple and then some maybe in one ear out the other? How do how do you feel when you speak? You feel like it's impacting people?
1: Um, uh, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh just going back to what you said about being in there and impacting people in there. So I'm dealing with the most stubborn I'm dealing with the people like me. The people that I got my mind made up. I'm gonna go out here, I'm gonna sell drugs, I'm gonna carry guns. I don't care what you talking about. I don't wanna, I'm want i dealing with, with my people. I'm dealing with the people, the most hardest of the hard. And if I can see guys coming out of prison and seeking me out, man, I gotta find Ed, man. I was in there with Ed, and Ed, man, we did this, we did that, we got our lives together. I need to stay around Ed. I need to talk to Ed. So I tell people this. You are the greatest speaker in the world when you're in front of your people. So when I'm in front of the hard heads of the world, the people that just won't listen to their parents, won't listen to their teachers, just won't listen to anybody but the group of guys that they hang with. And when I get in front of those people, I'm the greatest in the world because I know the smell. I know the energy. I know what you're thinking. And whenever I can walk into that room and tap right into that and connect with the people like that, I know I'm making an impact because I'm going to talk about things I know nobody in this world know nothing about but me and you. It's like a doctor, a surgeon, a heart surgeon talking to a room full of heart surgeons. He's going to talk about veins and arteries and muscles that you and I probably know nothing about. So when I'm in front of my people, when I'm in front of those people, when I'm in front of Ed any I know for a fact that I'm going to say some things that nobody knows nothing about but me and you, brother. And you can't hide from me. So I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to dig really deep and I'm going to get you. Whether you make these changes or not, I know you don't understand where I'm coming from.
0: And you know, it's something too I've noticed lately is that when somebody like you, when you're speaking to people, you know, even like way lesser degree, even me with my like weight loss, right? It's like I may not, and you may not, we may not get totally through to someone, but I like to think this now, and I think this is a good thing. Um, being uncomfortable is is good for people. And I think that if they see someone like you who's been through it and has changed, right, you now took their excuse away, Ed. Their excuse is gone. Now they have to look in the mirror and say, I don't have that excuse anymore. You know why? Ed Hennings did it. I can do it. Any excuse I have now is just its I'm living a lie because I'm, I'm lazy and I don't want to acknowledge to myself that I can make these changes. So, you know, regardless, I think you get through to people either way. And if it's not fully, you're making people feel uncomfortable in a good way because they're seeing by your example that you made the changes. So I, I just, I can't wait for you. I'm excited for you to even get this podcast of yours up and going more because I think you're going to even get through to more people and make more people uncomfortable in a good way and get them to change. So I'm excited for you for that.
1: Man, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, definitely something that I'm looking forward to is to continue to um, push the motivation and, you know, discipline. You know, motivation to get you started. But, you know, to finish that race, you're going to need discipline. You don't need to be disciplined in what you do because discipline allows us to get up and do it even when we don't want to. You know, so motivation makes you want to, but discipline make you do it even when you don't want to. So yeah, um, I'm looking forward to getting in there, man, and giving other people opportunity to, uh, because, you know, Ed's story gets boring after a while. You know, we got some more, we got some more people, man. You know, I used other people's stories as motivation and hopefully people can use Ed Henney's because that's been the whole goal for me, It's the people that I, I read about when I was at, at my lowest point, how they stories impacted me, man. And I wanted my story to be just like that. I wanted my story to be like Mandela.
0: So, Ed, you mentioned, you know, about the books you read and you, you know, specifically Mandela. Um, any others that you come to mind that you may recommend to other people, you know, people that try to, you know, be role models, model themselves after?
1: Yeah, and that's the, that's the, that's the great um, thing about, this thing called life, man. There's so many stories and people that don't get an opportunity to uh, get in a book, get in a magazine, uh, get on a platform such as this and be able to share You know that, that inspiration and that story that they have of overcoming odds. I mean, I, I, I probably could tell you about a story. Um, it was a 15 year old girl. She had four siblings and she was the oldest. So her mom passed, and um, at the age of 15, she took custody of her four, four siblings, and she raised those four siblings all on her own from 15 years old. And mind you, fast forward to when I was reading her story, she was a lawyer and owned her own law firm. Two of those siblings worked as attorneys in her law firm, and the younger two was in law school. And when I read that story, I said, if a 15-year-old kid can raise four children on her own, send them through law school and get them to stay out of the streets and all of these other things that's available and options to them like I took, I said, man, that's the story. Those are the type of things that I I, I, I was clinging to every chance I got. So um, it was Muhammad Ali. It was me. I mean, I could just remember sitting in front of the TV in prison and watching Will Smith play Muhammad Ali. And I was saying, look, I'm looking at the greatest fighter of all time in the boxing ring in my mind, in my heart. And then I'm looking at one of the greatest actors in my heart and in my mind at the time, portraying him in a movie. And I think in my head, I'm saying, I can do that. I can act like Will Smith is acting. I can box like Ali is boxing. I can do anything I want to do. And after that movie was over, it weighed on me so much that you can't sell yourself short. You have to dream. And, and, and that, that was, that. so when you're you reading stories, you read them in books. You read them in magazines, you getting them in everyday life. They're coming from so many different directions. You just gotta open your mind and open your heart to the to the multitude of examples that's out there. It's somebody that's right next to you right now that has a wonderful story. Um let me just say this: it's more people that you don't know than you know. And me and my brother talked about this this morning, is because. You could start, I'm starting all types of things, man. I'm dreaming. So I can start a t-shirt line. I can start a shoe line. I can start a, a book bags. And I'm going to put my name on it, Ed Hennings. And somebody that I know might not want to wear a shirt that got Ed Hennings on it. But guess what? You wear Gucci. You wear Versace. You wear Louis. You wear Steve Madden. So there's nothing, Michael Jordan, you wear all of these names. But you don't want to wear the name that the person that you know. So that's just some nugget that I thought about, and my brother brought it up and said, "Well, people that you don't know and you know." So with that being said, it's so many things that's going to come your way, and that's the way the universe works. You know, when you start working, the universe will send to you in many different ways, forms, and fashions what you need. But you got to get to working. If you just sitting there waiting to get started, oh, I'm waiting for a sign to get started. No, that stuff comes once you start working. You know, I need help. You don't need help to do nothing. You got to start working. <laughs> then you'll help, and all of these things come when you get started.
0: And, uh, that's a great, <clears throat> great message. Um, I kind of wanted to end with this, actually. So what, what would you like at this point? Speaking to the audience, speaking anybody's going to see this, what do you want them to take most away from this interview and from your story?
1: Wow. Yeah, that's great. Um, one thing I, I, I had this conversation, I can meet somebody in a restaurant. I can meet a group of people at a conference. Um, I can meet politicians. And I, I always, I don't know why it always comes out of me, but that's what it is it's already in you. Um, cultivate what's in you. Uh, we, we take so much solace and pride into things outside of us. I mean, nothing's wrong with education. Education is great. Um, nothing's wrong with talent. Nothing's wrong with having, you know, God-given abilities. Um, nothing's wrong with having, um, uh, being handsome and being uh, pretty nothing's wrong with that but at the end of the day it's going to come down to what's inside of you it's going to come down to what you're made of on the inside that soul that spirit and if you if you're lacking in that department you will have wasted talent you will have wasted looks wasted education a prison is full of smart people but they lack in soul, and in spirit, in character. And these things have to come from within. So being raised by grandparents, uh, common sense, character, um, soul, and spirit was at the forefront. And when I got away from that, and I thought I was smarter than them, I thought I was more talented than them, I thought I looked better than them, and that got me in a whole lot of trouble. So what I want you to do is take time out. Take time to check your character. Take time to check your soul and your spirit because the people that win in this thing called life is people with a strong soul and a strong spirit. And if you if you don't have that, I mean, I, I, I don't wanna say what, you know, the universe has for you, but through my experience, you need that more than you need anything else on this earth. Is a strong soul, a strong spirit, and character.
0: Ed, thank you for that. That message there is fantastic message. I mean, I it hits me. I'm I, like I said, I'm 50 years old and I'm still learning. And um, I'm 50 as well. <laughs> and you know what? You look younger than me, man. So, good to you. <laughs> good for you man you know when you were talking about the looks thing i was like yeah look at us man both of us got that (laughs) (laughs) more you than me um but no in all seriousness like listening to you speak there it it brought something up to me and i want to say this about ed hennings there's a saying don't judge a book by its cover but i think there's even more to that saying Don't not only judge a book by the cover, make sure you continue to read the book because some people have a tendency to get into the book and they get into it and they read something and they say, you know what? Uh, That's what this is about. I'm done. And then they miss out on all this great stuff that happens after. So finish the story. And, you know, Ed's a great example of give people a chance in this world. We're too, We come across as too judgmental. Listen, Ed, Ed owns up to what happened. We all make mistakes, mistakes. Some are bigger than others. We get that. And I'm not here to judge. None of us should be here to judge. But let me tell you this. You can learn something from Ed Hennings. This man is doing a lot of good right now. So, Ed, I want to give you a chance now. Let people know where they can find you at to take advantage of that good and what you're doing.
1: Yeah, um, I'm Ed Hennings on LinkedIn, where I am at, uh, Mr. Wallace at, um, just daily motivations. Um, I come on LinkedIn every morning. I'm on Instagram, Ed Hennings1 on Instagram. I try my best to every morning um, bring some motivation, some information about my truckers community um, and how um, the facelift of the trucking industry. I try to talk about those things, but more than anything. I try to make people understand that, you know, that they are worthy and they're capable of carrying out anything in their heart and in their minds uh, that they desire to do. And that's more important than anything is being able to wake up every day knowing you have what it takes. Because um, once again, having all those other things is fine and dandy, but not being able to uh, execute um, comes from. Lack of confidence and all those other things we talked about, but yeah, you can find me on Ed Hennings One. You can find me um, on Ed Hennings on LinkedIn, Ed Hennings One on Instagram, and I love to have you guys tune in and hear some of this motivation that that drives me every day.
0: And Ed, I'll make it a little easier for everyone. I'll add a lot of these links in the show notes for when this airs. People should be able to click, and uh, you know they'll be able to find you easier. Um, but people trust me when it comes to the motivation and Ed, I want to give you an idea that t-shirt company you're talking about. Here's a good one to start with Ed's motivation. It's better than your morning coffee. Trust me. So <laughs> check out Ed Hennings people, Ed, thank you so much, man. This has been uh great, I'm now ready to go about my, the rest of my day and, uh, and I can't thank you enough. So you take care Ed. Keep doing, Keep doing good things, man. I'm going to be following and
1: looking out, all right? All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. It was an honor. This has been the Bear Essentials. Thanks for listening. And remember, never hibernate on your goals.